With classes in crisis communication, influence, and data presentation, Gonzaga University's online Master's in Communication and Leadership equips you with the tools you need to communicate clearly and encourage creativity in any industry. Concentrations in digital media, strategic communication, and global leadership allow you to customize your degree. Visit gonzaga.edu slash communication and learn why a master's degree from Gonzaga can help you take your career to the next level. That's gonzaga.edu slash communication. What's up, Out of Bounds Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Come with us, Out of Bounds, as we discuss and debate the latest topics in the world of sports. We have a great show ahead, so let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Harrison. I hope all is well with everyone out there in Out of Bounds Nation during this time. Today, I have a great show lined up with a great special guest. Curtis Kelly, host of the Culture of Marudas podcast, will join me today to discuss his background in podcasting. Also, topics will include the 2008 and 2010 NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Curtis will also have to explain to me why he loves Kevin Garnett. So that out the way, I'd like to introduce our guest to the show. He is the host of the popular podcast, Coach Marooters. He is a loving father, devoted husband. He served the country for 20 years as an Air Force vet. His music interests include a love for English rock band, Led Zeppelin red hot chili peppers and a taste for 90s hip-hop and r&b to sum it all up just an all-around fun guy like Kawhi. <laughs> out of bounds nation please help me welcome mr curtis kelly to the show curtis how you doing today man i'm chilling man how you doing i'm doing great man i'm, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to, to finally um do this uh, you know we talked about it and on Facebook a little bit, and I'm glad that we're finally able to actually do it now. Um, So how you been holding up, like, during this time? You know, surprisingly for me, man, like, you know, for most people, they're like, oh, it sucks, I can't get out. Yo, I'm good. Like, you know, and I I talked to my wife about this, and I've talked to a couple other folks, you know, with me coming from a military background and deployments and stuff, it's just like being on deployment, but I have everything that I need and can want here. So I'm not really tripping on it. It's it's good. I get to uh, kind of take a step back from like the hustle and bustle and grind of like everyday life and kind of just chill and, and enjoy family time, man, and, and do things that I normally don't get to do during the week and on the weekends. Like, like before we got on, like I was cleaning my garage. Like I've been in my house for like almost a year and I got boxes and shit still piled up everywhere. So, you know, my wife was doing gardening. I was taking care of the garage. So it's nice. I've been spending my time doing like constructive stuff like that. Okay. 
So could you tell everyone where you're from and how long have you lived there? Cool. So originally I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. That's right. I'm a brother from Omaha, Nebraska. The only other one that most people probably know of is Malcolm X. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm a military brat, right? So um, I'm 40 years old. So I've been bouncing around probably for 38 years of my life. Um, my father, my father um, was in the military. So, you know, he bounced around. I bounced around with him up until I was 18. And then I went straight into the military from there. And then uh, just retired. Uh, shoot, next week will be one year. Um, one year ago next week. So um, my last duty station was up in New Jersey at Fort Dix, uh, South Jersey. And then, uh, yeah, I'm down here in Tampa, Florida now, man. Loving loving the weather. I wish we could get out at the beach, but that's another story. So, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of like moved around, since, you know, because of the military. Right, 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 right. Definitely. Uh, so the military. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, it was funny you was um, saying about um, the reference about Omaha. I, that's the first thing I thought about was Malcolm X when you said that. <laughs> That's what most people think about when, when when you tell them like there's a brother from from Nebraska, like nobody's from Lincoln unless you play for like you know U of N or you know just having just a like Lincoln. But most black folks you'll find, yeah, they're from Omaha and more specifically like North Omaha. So it's uh it's yeah it is what it is. I haven't been back in years, man. But um you know that's 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 home. So so how was it out there with the restrictions and you know you did reference a little bit about you know being in at home but like what are the um the restrictions um that your state as far as like the mandates and stuff like that as far as the um coronavirus thing right. going so, on yeah so governor DeSantis down here in uh, Florida um he he hasn't really put like an official like lockdown uh, or curfew or anything out but um you know it's still like a basically like stay at home type of order uh, all the schools and everything are out. There's still like the uh, central spots, like all the bars and everything are still selling like booze to go. Like my sister shot me a shot me a text earlier. She lives out in a Treasure Island, like South, uh, like St. Pete area, and um, shot me a text saying like all the bars and, and and breweries are still serving booze. So, I mean, restaurants are still rocking um, with a lot of to go stuff, like most places I, I imagine. And then you have like um, you know grocery stores and stuff like that, and it's just weird, man. It's um. I was kind of bummed out. Like I went yesterday to uh, to uh, Win Dixie to get some groceries and to get some food, and I was in there, man. It was almost like a ghost town. And then like the people that were in there, like nobody wanted to get next to each other, you know, understandably so. But you know, it's just it's just weird, man. And now they got these glass partitions up, so you know the the uh, customer service reps and the and the cashiers don't get sneezed on and stuff like that. So it's just wild, man. It's just kind of a kind of a bummer, but you know, it's just. I understand the safety precautions and the measures, but at least we don't got those jackasses down on the beach anymore, man. So and that was like the big problem over spring break. So Yeah, I saw um a video surface and they still was having like some kind of spring break weekend out there in Florida and things like that. It was crazy. It wasn't some kind of spring break. It was full on. Like they were full on partying and rocking like like it wasn't even like a thing. So, you know, it was it was full on spring break. And then they try to like soften the blow. And like, you know, kind of cushion it by like, oh yeah, we're gonna shut it down first thing Monday morning. Well, hell, spring break's over by then, so you ain't doing nobody any favors. And then they had the nerve like a week later telling, oh, you know, uh five or six people that came from there, they caught it. Yeah, no shit. You know, <laughs> you should have been at home in the first place. So crazy. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. So Yeah, my wife has sent me to the grocery store, you know, for the first time because she never sends me to the grocery store. I went to go get some bread. Ugh. And I walked in. 
you know, and it's hard for me to navigate through the grocery store without without her. She's my like my compass. And I'm walking around the store, you know, all the shelves are bare. People got on masks. They got the the POS terminal has these little plastic bags over them. It was just a weird scene. I've just never seen. I'm 33 years old. I've never seen nothing like this before in my life. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I you know, I've been buying newspapers, taking pictures and stuff, man, because I mean, this is this is a this could be, you know, world changing. Like this is not just affecting one, you know, lane or or one thing in particular. This is going to affect how we do day-to-day business from here on out. Like um the uh, the big the big boss man the uh, the doctor uh, I think his name was Fauci Fauci or whatever yes. he was talking about like we're gonna be doing away with like handshakes and that's crazy to think man like something that you've done basically like a form of respect where you look smile in their eyes and you shake their hand like that may be that may become a thing of the past you know so it's just um, yes yeah, it's, it's about to change man it's about to get real interesting here once we get a handle on how this uh, how this disease or this virus is is really working. And it's kind of funny with the handshake gesture that you referenced, like even before this had been going on, I was always mindful about shaking people's hands uh-huh. because of, you know, just how, you know, things are being transferred and things like that. I've always looked into, you know, different things like that. And and so it wouldn't be that uncomfortable to me because I always do a fist bump every time, you know, I meet someone new or something like that. They have their hand shaking that. I don't mean no disrespect by it, right, right, right. but it's just the fact that I don't know what, you know, your hands have been doing before that interaction. <laughs> and I just know, you you know, just being a man, you just know that we all got all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, they, some folks, they ain't the cleanest motherfuckers out in the world, man. So it's right, like, right. <laughs> you know, so, but my sister, man, me and my sister came with the thing. She said she's hitting them with the Mr. Spock, like the live long and prosper with the little hand gesture. Right. Yeah. She's hitting them with that. So, um, and I was like, Hey, I, you ain't got to touch nobody. Hey, live long and prosper and keep it moving. So I, I definitely feel you on that because, uh, you know, you'll come up to some people, you'll be like, hey, you just kind of either hit them with the elbow or the fist bump right, or right. The head nod or whatever. But, I mean, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an adjustment like a lot of things are going to be. And um, I think that's where the challenge is going to be because, you know, you got people traditionalists. You got people who, who, who still can't even keep their ass in the home. So how are you going to change like a whole culture? Of, of you know greeting and, and and stuff like that you know that's gonna be tough man so we'll see how it goes but I, I I'm not opposed to it but it's just gonna take a little bit of getting used to like most things yeah just like most things is you know you have to make some adjustments and then you have to think like they're putting this the, the preventative measures out there because you you think about it like people are losing their lives behind this, this oh, virus yeah. and because we don't know exactly how to stop it and or how it's being transferred and stuff like that so, I mean, at least they're they're in front of it right now. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're able to figure out better ways to combat it in the future. Right. And and, now, you know, and that includes that includes like the bro hugs, you know, where you dap up and bring them in, bring it in for the hug. That's gone, too. You know, so right. like, yeah, what, you know, it's just gonna be what is it just gonna be the head nod? Like, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, just basic human interactions are, are going to be changed forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my next question is kind of a little, little personal question, you know, yeah. if you uh, can answer it. It's, so could you tell the audience something about yourself that sounds totally made up, but it's a hundred percent true? <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. Let's see. That sounds made up and a hundred percent true. Uh, I should President Obama's hand. 
and and kind of like you know I'll, I'll go back even deeper than that man like i have um you know how a lot of people are like lucky with like finding money or, or winning like like sweepstakes or the lotto or something like that so i found like my luck in life is just kind of being in the right place at the right time to meet famous people so i've i've ran into like famous people like all over man and it's really weird so i've, I've ran into evander holyfield on an escalator um I, I met mike tyson i met um uh, like I said, President Obama, um, uh, who else? Uh, I've met three sec- Secretary of Defenses. Um, yeah, man, it's just it's just where Michael Clark Duncan, I passed him on the streets in Vegas. Um, wow. Yeah, man, it's just it, uh, Floyd Mayweather's father, Floyd Sr. Me and my wife were going to a, a fight back in 2010, and we showed up a little late to the, uh, to the Mandalay Bay. And we walked in, and we were in the concourse, right? So it's supposed to take you into the, uh, into the actual arena. And... Uh, his father walks up with like these two big ass bodyguards and we just look at him and he's like, how are y'all doing tonight? And I'm like, uh, good, sir. How are you? And he's like, oh, real good. He shook our hands. Like y'all have a good evening and just walked off. I was like, I looked at my wife. I was like, what the hell? So that, that's kind of my luck, man. Just, um, just stuff like that. So I, I really don't have nothing too crazy. Well, I do, but I can get into that stuff later, but yeah, that's, that's about it, man. Just uh, kind of the right place at the right time. Like I party with the Wu-Tang. <laughs> up in the same Mandalay Bay. Man, yeah, that's crazy. Like, no joke. No joke, man. We were at a concert, and it was the same year, 2010, and um, we got into the party at the Foundation Room, and if anybody's been in the Mandalay Bay, you know the Foundation Room is like the little after-party joint like up on the top floor by the sign. And um, yeah, man, we talked to the doorman and said we were deploying. We pulled the old deployment card, and uh, he got us a little table, and yeah, we was in there partying with all of them, man. It was pretty dope, so yeah. Man, that's, that's cool. Very interesting. So, so I want to, um, I got one, one more, let me give you one more. So, and this is, we're going to go into basketball, right? So, you know, summer league, right? NBA summer league is held out in Vegas. Um, so I was there, it was Carl Anthony Towns rookie year. He was on the summer league team and, uh, we went to go watch the wolves. My homeboy, uh, Nolan, shout out to Nolan Lee over in a uh, Korea beer philosophy podcast. Um, me and him were there to, he's a bulls fan. He's from Chicago. So he was there to see like Bobby Portis and, you know, whoever's on the bull squad. So we're sitting there and this lady comes up and I had on an old Garnett Jersey and that, I know that's going to burn you up. I had on a Garnett Jersey. Right. <laughs> and so the lady's like, Hey, uh, do you want to go on halftime and do the competition? I'm like, yeah. So basically it was like the, the layup, the free throw, and then the three pointer against a cat uh-huh. who was in the bulls. So I got on the court, man, and froze up. I missed five layups in a row. Oh man. <laughs> hey, Phil Jackson was in the crowd. Mike Budenholzer was in the crowd. George Carl was in the crowd. Everybody was there, like, to watch these games. And I'm sitting there just laying bricks for layups. Hit my first free throw, and then me and – I called O'Dude at the three-point line, and we tied. But, hey, that's a lonely place when you're on that court, man, and all eyes are on you at halftime, dude. So, but, yeah, so that's my NBA uh, – not glory, but my story, so. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's cool, though. You know, all those people were there, and, you know, and that's a memory that you I was going to remember. Yeah, um, yeah. So I want to segue into our first topic, you know, which includes how I actually came in contact with you on Facebook. Uh, and I posted that episode of my Out of Bounds segment to the group, and you listened to it. And, you know, I want to think that you liked it until you read the title of, you know, me comparing Kobe and Tim Duncan. <laughs> And then you was kind of slightly taken back by the topic because I left out your favorite player, Kevin Garnett. Yes. So I wanted to invite you to the show um, after that between, you know, because we had like a little back and forth thing in Messenger. Right. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, 
you know, Kevin Garnett, the big ticket. That's and right. also uh, we're going to discuss, you know, that, that finals, the 2008 finals, and then that redemption 2010 finals. I know you remember that. No, 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 no. So it's only redemption for the <laughs> man. Like, there's no redemption. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not even a Celtics fan, but I had a KG jersey, a KG Celtics jersey. That's the only Celtics jersey I ever wore or whatever. But it was only redemption for y'all. It was, it was yeah, a loss. Definitely redemption. Had, yeah, so, you know, hey, y'all had to figure it out at some point. Hey, hey, hey. Doc Rivers said it. Y'all ain't never beat him at full strength. So, uh, you know, take it how you want. Well, we, we, I'm going to take it. We, like, still one title <laughs> behind them. We got we got one more title, and then we, we're big, be the number one team in the NBA history with the most championships. Yeah, you know, that's that's cool. You know, it's – but you know what? And, y'all, I'm hoping y'all get another one, man. I was so, so hoping that, uh, you know, LeBron and them was going to go ahead and seal the deal for Kobe and go ahead and get yeah. that championship. You know, I just want to throw this whole year away, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, but this yeah, whole so entire year. Yeah. You know, losing Kobe at the beginning of the year, then having to deal with this, it's just, it's really yeah. tough for, yeah. for sports yeah. fans all over the world. It's really tough, you know, try to find content for us, you know, sports related podcasts. You know what I mean? Whew, I can imagine, man. And um, it's tough. So, my first question: What stage of KG's career did you start to follow him? From the beginning, from from when? So I was a. Uh, I, I transitioned. Oh, Farragut. Uh, not not Farragut. No, I'm, I'm talking about from uh, when when they first started. I guess you could say Farragut when they first started uh, kind of scouting him and his name kind of started uh, popping up on the radar. And they were talking about you know him potentially being the first uh, high school kid drafted since Moses Malone 20 years prior. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, okay, you know. And at the time, I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like a guy who's you know, this kid is, is just as old as me, you know, a couple of years, give or take, and he's about to go to the NBA. So that kind of what is what caught my interest. And by no means was I nearly like a, a, a fraction as talented as KG. But um, my game was more like more ground-based. I was more of like a – I was a Barkley fan, like a hardcore Barkley fan growing I up. Stan Charles Barkley. What is wrong with you? You know what, man? Why, why did you bring I me on this show? <laughs> I think it's more so like – I think it's more so like how he is now than, than when he played because – you know, you couldn't deny who he was on the basketball court. You know, he just kept running to those Bulls teams, you know, yeah. with Michael Jordan on there and stuff like that. So he probably could have won a title if he didn't run into Michael Jordan in the finals that one, that one time when he played for Phoenix. So they had a good squad. Like, they had Dan Marley. They had, they had all kinds of shooters. Like, they should have won. Like, if they would have played anybody else, they probably would have won a title. Like Man, they had Kevin Johnson, Oliver Miller. They had, yeah, they uh, had a squad. They had Elliot Perry. I mean, Dan Martin. Yeah, you're right, man. And, and even Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge was on that squad. Yeah, Danny Ainge. Yeah, I remember. He was that's later in his career, though. Yeah, yeah, it was later. Though, in his yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, I was a I was a huge Suns fan, right? So, um, and you know, it the I didn't like Barkley once he kind of transitioned to Houston. I thought that was a bad move for him. So I was still a Barkley fan, but. You know, that's when, like, this the new school was coming in, right? So it was, like, KG, Kobe, all those cats, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, all the, all them cats was coming in. And, um, and yeah, so I was like, you know what? What really what really hooked me was the uh, the Fun Police commercials, the Nike Fun Police commercials. I don't know if you remember them, but it was, like, that, that crop of, like, young cats that was coming in, and they was trying to bring fun back into the league, and they had, like, these gold blazers, and they was like, basically like harassing cats who were whack and, you know, and arresting them for being whack and not having fun and stuff. So it was, um, I, I started following them then. 
And then I just like, you know, basically what he brought to the game. It's like I had never seen nothing like that before from a player that big and to be that young and still come out and, and hoop. And so I uh, transitioned over from the Suns to the Wolves. And shoot, man, I've been with them ever since, since 95. I, I really don't – I can't claim another squad. So, you know, I've been with them since. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my, uh, my, uh, how I, my how I became a KG fan story. And I don't want you to take this um, as if like I don't um, didn't like Kevin Garnett when we was talking nah, about nah. it because I I definitely do. Um, you know he's always you know had this intensity about him like you know he it was like really really intense like whenever you play him because his his main uh, attribute was defense. Yes, like that that was his identity. Now now don't get it wrong he can score, mm-hmm. but defensively like he was disruptive man. Yeah. When you can cover, not only he was one of the first cats to, to really, really play, American cats to really play positionless ball because he could play all five positions, but his defensive, like, abilities, because he was so long, he could basically erase mistakes that teammates had. And that's basically what carried the Wolves for so long was he was that great equalizer, that eraser, that, you you know, you throw him in the paint or you throw him down low. I mean, he was too – he could shoot over you. You know, once he started really developing a shot, he could shoot over you. He was long. He was fast. And the only thing was that he was, like, kind of light. He was a little too skinny. He was basically basically Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, but, you know, Kevin Durant, I think KG. With defense. A little bit more. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, now he's just a problem. Now, with Kevin Garnett, um, I did some, you know, some research. He's one of only four players to win the most valuable player award and a defensive player award uh-huh um he was a mcdonald's all all-american yep won a national uh championship there and then he entered the nba in 95 yep so my next question talk to us about your feelings when he left minnesota after 12 years in boston and then to go to boston i, I thought it was a couple years too late um, I didn't want to see him leave, but I understood. I was not upset. Um, I, w- I mean, I was bummed out just for the fact that, you know, I wish I, I was more angry at, at, at the um, Timberwolves organization than I was at him because he didn't want to leave. And, and people, I don't know if people knew that. He didn't want to leave. And, um, you know, he's, he, from what I understand, he's a very loyal dude. Um, he's, you know, he says that now. Um, and it wasn't about him not wanting to be in Minnesota. But why do you play the game? right? You play the game with a chance to win. You know, he's already, he's still probably the most highest earning player in NBA history. Um, Without a doubt. So what else is there to do? You got your money, you got your stats, you got your awards. Now go get your, get your trophy. And and it worked in Boston, man. Year one, year one, it worked in Boston and with a chance to, you know, win another one. So I wasn't mad at him. Um, I was actually glad. And in and, and and my post that I put out on Instagram and Facebook, you know, would I like to bring the championship home to Minnesota? Yes, but I wasn't mad that he got it in Boston. I was just glad to see him get a championship. So, so yeah. you're actually a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Yes, I am a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Yep. I feel sorry for you. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Yo, I mean, we cannot get out of our own way, man. It's like, you know, so is, we, is soft as wet toilet tissue to me. Man, it, I, <laughs> cat, cat is. Cat is, is becoming one of those, like, he's becoming the player that I don't like on that team. You know, you know how you guys yeah. like, uh, yeah, he's good, you know, but, hey, this is our dude. 
he was that dude for me, man. And then just all of a sudden, it's just, I don't know, man. He's just so soft. Like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. He, he is a transcendent player for a big man. He you is. know, I, I think he is. But the D, you got to come with the defense, man. You got to come He's with the dog defense. in Kentucky. I liked him in Kentucky. Yeah. But it seems yeah. like when he got in the NBA, man, he just got real soft. And then it really got exposed for Jimmy Butler, that incident. Oh, man. And you know what? I'm telling you, I was pissed at Jimmy Butler. But if you take a step back and look at the big picture and look at everything that kind of came out once he left, they were soft. They were a bunch of entitled dudes. And I think Jimmy was hating yeah. a little bit about the money. Don't get me wrong. I think he was. But Jimmy Butler, he wasn't saying anything that wasn't true. And these dudes right. didn't want to hear it. And um, uh, Saunders, Ryan Saunders, he, him being young himself, I don't think he knew how to take that that information and kind of put it out there to the team and say and let these dudes know like, hey, you know, we we do we do kind of lack on defense. He didn't want to hurt these cats' feelings because I think he knows his job goes how those guys those guys perform. So completely opposite of his dad's philosophy. Exactly, and it, it's a different world. Like I know from what I understood, Flip was a good coach. Flip was a good coach. He was a good mentor, and that's why. KG was so loyal to that dude because he probably told him shit that he didn't want to hear sometimes, but it was to make him better. And, and Ryan Saunders, I don't think he does the same. He coddles these cats like, like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. And you know what? I honestly don't think Andrew Wiggins was a problem. Yeah. It's just, I think, I think he got there. I don't think there was any stability, you know, built around it. And, 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 and the, the design of their, their game plan wasn't built around Andrew Wiggins to succeed. So he was just getting his and getting his. And then, you know, all of a sudden when they start losing, well, Andrew Wiggins is a problem. No, it's defense was a problem. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough being a Wolves fan, man. But, I mean, I've been doing it this long, so I'm going to keep riding with it. And that's how I am with the, the Lakers because we had a, a really big drought um, right after the, the last championship. You know, we hadn't even made the playoffs since I think it was been 2013 now. 2012. We that's the last time y'all made playoffs. Yeah, that's when uh, Kobe went and went down with the Achilles injury, I believe. And Dwight Howard, they tried to pin it on Dwight Howard and why y'all why it failed, man. It's like that wasn't that wasn't right. Well, Dwight, I mean, he he does uh, deserve some of the blame, but not the lion's share of the blame. I agree so, with you on that. So explain to me, explain to me how was it Dwight Howard's fault? Well, Dwight Howard, the mentality that you that he had then, it was more so, um, you know, he he was joked a lot. He was very childish. Um, you know, and you know, you couple that with a mentality like Kobe, he's in the gym, he's doing this, he just wasn't putting in that work. And you can just tell from the interactions with him and Kobe, like, you know, Kobe's this fierce competitor, and the whites want to play around. Like, as a big man in, in LA, you're coming behind some greats, man. And he just didn't, you know, fall into that role and fall into that mentality that, hey, this is championship or nothing. Whenever so, you come put that Laker uniform on as a as a big man, so you telling me Shaq wasn't a clown? Not like Dwight. He, let me tell you this: when when Shaq got on the court, he turned it off. You know, off the court, he was like that, yeah. But when he got on the court, it was a whole different ball game. So, so Dwight performed for y'all, and he performed with a with a. Didn't he have like a shoulder injury? Yeah, he had he had a couple of injuries. Um, exactly, he had a couple of injuries. But now, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Steve Nash. Where the hell was he at? Oh man, I, I can't. I can probably count how many hands how many times I've seen him in the Lakers exactly. uniform. Exactly, and think he got Dwight, paid. 
he got paid. I, oh man, he got paid. Andy, I think he's working. No, he's working for Golden State now. But he's working for Golden State. But the yeah. point is, like, you can't put that on Dwight because if Dwight wasn't playing, because Dwight held it down once Kobe got hurt. If Dwight wasn't playing, man, y'all be way worse than that. He was still going out there. He was still putting up like a double double at least. And it's like, man, the Lakers just ate that dude alive, man. Just because Kobe said the word. Kobe basically said, "Okay, get him." And then that's it. Then the fans turned on him, man, and ran that dude out. Yes, he was childish, but Dwight was producing, man. And, they didn't and, turn on him until he spurned us. He spurned nah, us. We had a we had a, they we had a billboard. We had a billboard right outside of the, the hallway telling him to come back, and he went to Houston. He took the yeah. money and went to Houston. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't come back. Yeah, but that's because he didn't want to play with Kobe, man. And I'm not. I'm not saying anything about Kobe because. Kobe is who Kobe is. He's been that way, and you know what you're getting with him. But if you're trying to win another championship, then you went out and got this dude. You knew what he was. There wasn't a mystery about the whole thing with Stan Van Gundy when they went after him. There wasn't a mystery. You knew what type of player he was. Everybody knew about it, yeah. Everybody knew. So what did you expect when he showed up? He was Dwight Howard, three-time defensive player of the year, multiple all-star, doing exactly what he's been doing. That's who he is. So – you can't beat the man up for showing up to LA. Granted, yes, when you put on that on that purple and gold, it is a different ball game. But look at Dennis Rodman when he showed it and played with Mike. He was the same dude, but when he got on the court, he produced. Yeah, I mean, you can you could I mean you can have that argument, but we did not get the Orlando Dwight Howard. We got Hollywood. We got it was a different <laughs> right? You didn't need that Dwight Howard. So because you still had you still had Gasol, right? Believes, yeah, we still had a, you know, they had the sauce still there. Yeah, you didn't need that Dwight Howard. You needed all basically what they wanted him to do was play defense and board Kobe and Gasol and and the and the rest of the cats. Basically, what Dwight's doing now, that's what the that's the Dwight they needed back then. Back, well, no, not the Dwight we needed now because he's not really, you know, we we're not really expecting a whole lot out of that position from him. If he gives us to, you know. At least ten points, ten rebounds. We're good on that. We needed like uh-huh. twenty points, and probably we need him to be a scorer and and a um, uh, enforcer in the middle. Right, right, and that's what he's doing for this Lakers team. Well, up until the, it shut down, but they weren't asking him to do nothing but play defense and board. You weren't you weren't going to run anything through Dwight Howard back in 2012. Kobe was still balling. Kobe wasn't going to pass to that dude. You know that. So, <laughs> so, so, so again. You weren't thinking of Orlando Dwight Howard because everything ran through Orlando Dwight Howard where it wasn't going to work that way in L.A. Right, right, right. So, but, you know, that's just my take on it, man. I just thought he just kind of got a raw deal. Yeah, he's a little bit of a dumbass, but I just, I I, I think he got a raw deal on that, man. And Kobe failed. I think Kobe's leadership um, style at that time, I think it failed. He failed, he failed Dwight. Really well, not everybody can, you know, you've been in the military. I know that you've probably seen a lot of different leaders and different types of leaders, but and you have some that you probably, you know, gravitate to, and then you have some that probably rub you the wrong way. But you know what? You know, from from each one of those experiences, I took something from them, even the bad, because you always, you know, you learn like, all right, well, I don't want to do it that way. But the way, you know, let's say you got a person who's really in your face, you can still take something from them by being direct but not necessarily apply that. You could take pieces of that and maybe mold that into your own leadership style. But I think Kobe was so so used to winning, 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 winning. When you bring in another big dog like that, 
you kind of got to bend a little bit, man. I, I, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got you on that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, next, my next question. Now, and it's going back to the KG when he left Minnesota. Uh Do you feel like Minnesota squandered his youth? I think, yes. Uh, Yes and no, because the big jump they made was when they went and got Sprewell, when they went and got, um, uh, when they got got Cassell, when they went and got, uh, I think Irvin Johnson played for him too. Briefly, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember Uh, him. Olo Candy. Olo Candy played. Um, I think that was the best Minnesota team we had up until – I don't think they got the first round, though. No, no, no. That that team got to the um, Western Conference Finals against y'all. Oh three, oh four. Yeah, because that's when when KG won the MVP. He won the All Star MVP, and um, they they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So look that up. I don't remember that one. Yep. Oh yeah, come on. Hey, as a KG fan and Wolves fan, yo, that was the pinnacle for us, man. We we ain't <laughs> yeah. So that that probably was lost in the sauce with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just another it was just another blip on the radar for y'all, yeah. man. But for us, so Yeah, I got yeah, you. Man. I think I think because it once they hired David Kahn, David Kahn fucked up everything. He fucked up everything. I think David Kahn was like a, a, a sports caster or some kind of like sports dude that they hired as the GM and he fucked up everything. It was um it was when they traded Basically, they couldn't build a team around him, man. They just kept having, like, shitty players and washed-up dudes coming in, and it just wasn't a good look, man. And I think they brought in Brandon Roy, and he was hurt, and um, they were just trying to, like, bargain bin and piece something together, but the West was getting tougher and tougher and tougher, and it's like, you can't even win your division. So what, what do you think is going to happen, man? And it's just we just been at a standstill, and we wasted Kevin Love, and we wasted Ricky Rubio. And we wasted Andrew Wiggins. And we're going to waste Cat because eventually he's going to leave too. So it's just, we don't, first of all, we don't have, we don't have the history as a franchise as it, as it stands. Um, our history begins and ends with Kevin Garnett. So we really don't have much of a history. And the history that we have, it's not very successful. So that, that's the first step, you know, where you really can't take the Timberwolves seriously because it's like, well, hell, Y'all are just as successful as the Memphis Grizzlies, and they played in a couple conference finals. So, I mean, so, you know. Right, and, yeah. But Memphis had yeah. some quiet, especially when they was in Vancouver as well. Oh, yeah, they, they were garbage in Vancouver. But once they got yeah. to Memphis, man, and, and got that grit and grind persona with uh, Tony Allen and, and uh, Zach Randolph and Gasol and all them cats, it was a different team. And Minnesota could never really just get it together, man. Like, you had, you had one or two pieces but you couldn't do anything with it. And yeah, I think, you know, to answer your question, yes, they wasted Kevin Garnett's uh, prime. Yeah. And they, and when, when we're going to talk a little bit about that Boston roster a little bit. Okay. Um, So with the the Boston roster, which including Paul Pierce, that they had Rondo, you know, that's what, this was before Rondo was, you know, who he was Rondo. You know, yeah, he, he kind of came into his own. They treated him like the Mario Chalmers of the Heat team, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you got then you then you add Ray Allen. So talk to me about that group, that those guys blending together. Oh, and then I, I don't want to, you know, uh, leave uh, Kendrick Perkins out because he was he was a factor too with them. Oh man, you had you had uh, Eddie House, Kendrick Perkins, Tony Allen, uh, PJ Brown, 
Um, who else? I mean, yeah, man. Uh, Scalabrini, I think, was on that squad. Scalabrini was, was yeah, there. he was out there. A shout out to the White Mamba. He was on there. Um, uh, man, who was, I think Sam Cassell was on the bench. Um, who else, man? But, but yeah, that, that roster, man, that roster was tough. Um, it was it was basically a beat them down, grind you out, grind you down old school roster, and um, you come to the paint, you gonna you gonna get hurt. That's how that how that roster went. Um, I think it was tailor made for for Kevin Garnett's game at that time. I think it was the perfect move for him to go there, and you already had you already had a, a mid range sniper, and and basically you know a do it all in Paul Pierce. You had him on the boards in defense, and you had the outside shooting of um, of Ray Allen. And it was just a perfect storm, man. And and defense, everybody excelled in their role, and that's what made that machine so so effective, man, and so efficient for that OA squad. And even up until they broke up, even you know when y'all gave them another run, so it was it was still a pretty well oiled machine, man. So um, yeah, it took us seven games. We took them seven games to win that title in, in two thousand ten. You said seven games to what? It, it took us seven games to beat them. In 2010, oh, yeah. we got yeah. it done. <laughs> yeah, you know, so and it, it, I think it was seven games the first time. In 08, it was seven games, wasn't it? It was six games. They they beat us uh, four to two. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, beat they, us four to two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then these guys was, you know, you had Ray Allen. He was 34. I think KG was 33. You got Rasheed Wallace. He was up there. I think he, I forget how old he was. You know, these guys was, like, not young at all, and, you know, but but you would know that Rasheed Wallace he had already won a title with uh, Detroit. He had beat us with Detroit, so he knew how to beat us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and that was KG's boy. He probably said, "Look, hey, we need you to goon it up down low." Cause she she was he wasn't sheed from like the Bullets, you know, or even a uh, uh, Portland <laughs> or Portland sheed, right? So um, you know, he came in, or even Detroit sheed. You know, he came in to give you some quality minutes, give you them six fouls. And make you think about coming into the paint, and that's yeah, what you, you know he's gonna foul you. Oh yeah, and it wasn't gonna, gonna, it wasn't gonna be no no little cheap foul, man. Yep. You gonna have to think about that thing when you go do that again. <laughs> yeah, and Derek just say something. So I mean, he, he he probably get you about 10, 15 points, man. Yeah, about, yeah. about six, seven boards, man. Yep. Give him six fouls. <laughs> go have a seat next to Doc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you know how how it is, man. Yeah. So now, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, I was going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, KG has, you know, said some comments. He, I think he was on, I think he was on his show. I'm not sure if it was his show or another show, but he had made some comments um, about 2010, when, but just before they met, met us in the playoffs, well, the finals, they had played Stephen Cavaliers. And... KG basically said that they ran LeBron to Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And they did because he said, yeah, he goes, <laughs> they ran, we, ran, broke, ran we broke him. They broke him, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And, and that was the truth. They broke him because he it made LeBron look and say, I can't win with this squad. Come on, man. You ain't winning nothing with with Booby Gibson. Um, who else did they have on that squad, man? They had – who was the point guard um, – they had, uh, uh, Mo, Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Come on, man. You you ain't winning with those losers, man. Come on. And and the only thing I could think of with Booby Gibson, wasn't he like married or dating Keisha Cole or something like that? That's Cole, I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, man. So that tells you right there. LeBron knew 
he knew in order to win, you have to go where winning culture. And I hate the fact that they beat LeBron up over it because KG did the same thing. KG did the exact same thing. And it's like you can't beat that dude up over it because you want to win. Like I said, at the end of the day, why do you play the game? So, well, Carmelo plays to make money. Obviously, he ain't trying to win a championship. But And you remember the comments about that. I had a show about that, that, that main topic about um, if he was drafted number two over Darko Milicic. Right. Would he have titles? And Ben Wallace said, hell no. He wouldn't, we wouldn't have won nothing. Yeah, because he wouldn't have passed the ball. But you know what? I take, <laughs> you know what? No, 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 no. Early Mellow, early Nuggets Mellow was, was a monster, dude. And he passed the ball. Even with Iverson on his squad. Them cats, they gave y'all a nice little run. So, yeah, we took care of them, though. Yeah, yeah. y'all took care of them. But that's early <laughs> Mellow, right? So, I think I think with the leadership that was on that squad, your Rip Hamilton's, your Tayshaun Prince, your Ben Wallace, your Chauncey Billups, and Joe Dumars in the front office, they would have squashed that real quick. And Melo, Melo would have been coming off the bench, first of all. So He had to. Yeah. That's why, that's why they made it, like because Darko wasn't ready to play. He didn't yeah. hardly contribute anyway. And they, and and they didn't need him to. They didn't need him to. And, and the thing is, Melo, especially with um, – I think Sheed was on that roster. So he would have got a ring – but he would have got a ring learning to play team ball, and then he would have came in and lit it up and then eventually become a starter, I think. And Tayshaun would have probably moved to the bench. But, yeah, he would have got at least one. He would have got one with him. And, uh, otherwise, they would have put foot to ass on Melo. He wouldn't have been able to run the roost like he, like he had been. Yeah, man. I just feel like he probably would have had a championship by now if he wasn't chasing that money, man. He had like, a chance that- to go to Houston, Chicago, and go ahead and get that ring and get paid. And get paid. But – James Dolan is an idiot, so he probably, you know, Carmelo's like, man, I can tell this dude whatever, and I am going to be king of the castle in my hometown, and, you know, and that's going to be it. And it's just, you know, when, when, when you're the only one that's really doing anything in New York, ain't nobody going to tell you nothing. Right, right, right. And, and I think that, that they, they, if he would have surrounded him with, you know, another superstar, then nobody want to come to New York just because Dame, James Dolan is dumb. Well, well, let's not forget, he had Amari Stoudemire. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I remember he, that when they got him from Phoenix. Yeah, he had a – no, Amari got there first. And uh, they had a damn good Amari Stoudemire because Amari Stoudemire was in the MVP running his first year there. And um, and then Melo came, and then it's just like they it clashed, man. And, you know, it's just he became that black hole. That ball goes in, it don't come out. And that's that's exactly what happened to him, man. He became a black hole. Yeah, you know he going to fire. As soon as he touches his hand, he, he, he locked and loaded after he dribbles off about about 22 seconds and then <laughs> he's gonna dribble about 22 seconds and, yeah and then fire it up yeah you know how he do man yeah so um let's talk a little bit about the 20 what well, 2008 finals oh yeah glorious time glorious time for garnett fans and celtics fans yeah Bad times for Lakers Nation. So, I just think the Lakers were just, like like we talked about, we were just outmatched. You know, we only won uh, games three and five. You yep. know, we were just close nail biters. And then that game six, that closeout game, we got the doors blowed off of us. You know what, man? But it was such good basketball. It was so entertaining, regardless of the result, right? Regardless of the result. It was an awesome series. Probably one of the better finals I remember watching. I was in Jamaica, man. Me and my wife just uh, – I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> Where were you <we> at? Yeah. 
Yeah, we were in Jamaica, and, and we were into the game. My wife loves basketball, too. And we would go to the bars at our resort, man, and just be locked into the games. And, you know, one, because I wanted to see KG win, and, and this is his best chance, and I was just locked in. And, man, we'd party and be on the beach, and at night we'd be in the bar watching the game and just having a good time. And, um, yeah, and it was, just, it, was just, it was just good basketball, and it was good to see the rivalry renewed, you know, between the Lakers and Celtics. There's a lot of history. And, uh, you know, and, and great players to come from both franchises and go against it. Magic Bird, uh, Parrish, uh, Kareem, Worthy, Mikhail. I mean, just just tons of legends, man. The who's who of, of NBA basketball in, 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 uh, in Hall of Fame. And just to have this next chapter go with it, with cats that we grew up watching, you know, it's like, man, it, it, it just doesn't get any better than this. So, you know, yeah, KG won, but it was a good series all around. So with that being said, what is his legacy? You know, he's 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 a decorated player when he, with Minnesota, but then he left to go to Boston, win the one title, and then he doesn't win any more titles after that. What is KG's legacy? At the end of the day, he's about, he's a Hall of Famer. From you know, I don't want to hear the fans' um, perspective. I want to hear like you know, just an actual give me his legacy. You know, not from your fans' standpoint. His legacy, I think, is just being never compromising himself, right? He, you can say that dude has been the same from draft day all the way until Hall of Fame announcement this past week. He's been the same. He hasn't, you know, never gotten any trouble. He made his money. He took advantage of opportunities and made it to where other cats in the league can get money, you know. And, and, and I was talking to my wife about that. Like, you know, you look at, you know, these players, like these generations of players. He was in that generation of players where, okay, let's get money. You know, Mike and them was like, all right, we're growing the game internationally. We're, we, you know, we're starting to be, become a brand. Now, this generation with KG, Iverson, Kobe, they're like, okay, we can be a brand, and now we're commanding top dollar for this brand and our, and our, and our uh, talent and our skill set. LeBron and them, they've already taken that, and now they're going back and doing, okay, now we got the brand, we got the money. What are we doing in the community to get back to the communities? So you look at the evolution of the actual NBA player or the, or the, the basketball player, and, and I think Kevin Garnett got his money, but never changed and compromised himself. He was always a, a, a somewhat borderline street dude who would go ahead and put in that work on the court. He would goon it up or he would bust your ass and give you buckets. But he never changed and he never tried to do anything that, that was outside of his, uh, his skill set. And he, he wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't going to ask you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I think that was his legacy. Yeah, and and I'm I'm echoing that as well. You know, he was one of the the one few guys, like you said, just never compromised. He got his money, but he's but still the same guy that he yeah. was before he came into the league. Even now, you know, just listen to him, you know, talk or whatever. He 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 does he doesn't sound like a robot like some of these guys sound like. You know, he he sounds like you know Kevin Garnett. He, his, yeah. he sounds like and, who he is. So. All of his interviews, you're right. He never sounds robotic. He's not the most articulate cat out there, but you know who is. Um, so, but uh, you know, but it, he's real. You know, he's real. You remember? I don't know if you remember when he used to be on the A One commercials. He had like Jadakiss, like rhyming for his shoes. You know what I'm saying? So he, yeah, yeah. He's always been a different type of dude, man. And and he was part of that reason that David Stern kind of changed that whole dress code thing. Him, Iverson, and all them cats was coming in in the tees and. And all that Long stuff. T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, man. And they, they had to change it because these cats was too hood. It's like you were bringing the hood into the league and that don't make money. So it's just, 
You know, yeah, you, man. So, it's good people off. Yeah, you scaring off sponsors, you scaring off you know investors and stuff like that. So they had to change it, but he was still he was still himself, even though you had to kind of clean it up a little bit. And I think also his legacy is that yeah, you you, you came from high school, but not all high school players are going to be soft and shitty like your Kwame Browns. This high school player is actually a Hall of Famer and one of the top five, you know, greatest uh, power forwards of all time. You had to bring up that Kwame Brown, man. We had him for that one time as well. Jordan had him. Yo, y'all had Smush Parker, too. Let's not forget. Oh, man, yeah, Smush Parker. Oh, my God. Like, it was just – it's crazy. <laughs> man, it, we, we had man, we had some really bad rosters. Hey, you know, yo, y'all had Chris too. Mims? Let's not forget Chris Mims? Yeah, you remember um, – what was the name? It was uh, – um, I forget the guy's name. I think his name was uh, Banger. His last name was oh, Banger. DJ Banger? DJ Binger, yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, Binger got a ring though with y'all, didn't he? Binger got two rings with us, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Adam Morrison got a ring too. Yeah, and man, these and and I think he had a run in with Kobe. I think he got physical with them two. <laughs> so yeah, look, man. <laughs> look, you, you mean you could have got on the roster and got a ring, man? They was handing yeah. them out to everybody. Yeah, that 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 year because they 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 they, they got the two rings. With Gasol, and they got the one in 2009. They went back to back 2009 and 2010. They right. went back to back because we 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 should have went three peated. Yeah, you know, uh, you know realistically, you could have, you could have because uh, twice about Boston that Mavericks. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you're right, Dirk. That was just Dirk's time, man. Dirk was hot, bro. And I don't want to talk about the Mavericks, man. We talked about man, that too. Got to give Dirk his. Yo, Dirk has been grinding. Dirk had been grinding, basically. Before he was even known, like, like he came in there like, oh, who is this German cat with a flat top, looking goofy as hell? Like, yo, Dirk is that dude, man. I'm telling you, Dirk is that cat. Damn, I don't want you to hear my wife hear this show, man. <laughs> She's a <laughs> diehard. But you can't be so biased, man. Like, I, I get it, you're a Lakers fan. I like Kobe. I like Kobe's skill set. And I said it on my show when I did the Kobe tribute, man. Like, like a lot of people didn't realize they were Kobe fans until he died. And I, and it was and I was one of them. Like I, I followed his career and I watched him, but you really, really didn't appreciate it until it was put before you again to take a second look at it and see like the shit that this dude used to do on the court, and the impact he's had on the game and yeah, players. Man. But Dirk has done the same for Euro players. He basically came out as the KG for Euro players, showing like, hey, we all ain't soft and just shooters. Like if you if you give me a lane, I'm a bam on you, or I'm a take you out here and hit this fade away from the three. You know, seven foot. So Dirk was Dirk, the epitome of soft. What no, are you talking about? Dirk was not getting in the middle and banging with nobody. What are you talking dude, about? Go back and watch Dirk's highlights. Go back and watch him. I need to have watched them. You're not even Dirk a Dirk was fan. Not a, <laughs> Dirk was not a dog in the middle, man. Dirk would sit there and try to pull up a three. He was not mixing up with no centers in there. And you know but that. I'm telling you. No, not primarily you're right. Primarily, no, he was not a banger, but he would get down there and do it every now and again. Man, I, yeah, I'm out there. You send me some highlights of that, man, because I definitely don't remember <laughs> none of that. Like, every time you look up, Dirk is trying to um, pull up at a three. He's trying to do some fadeaway and stuff like that, and he is not trying to get physical. <laughs> just like every Euro player, you know, just, you know, I, so I can't agree with you on that. They all still like that. Even um, young Luka Doncic, he's like that, man. He's yeah, soft. Yeah, but Luka's like six. I, I like him, though. Yeah, I, I like – no, don't, don't get me wrong. I like Luka. He doesn't play any defense, and he's soft. 
You're right. Let he don't play defense. He doesn't play <laughs> But he's 6'8". Like, man, he does some crazy <sighs> stuff, man. I think, like, when it's all said and done, he's going to be – like, he's going to surpass dirt. Yeah. And like, when yo, it's all said already, and done. He already broke Jason's kid, uh, Jason Kidd's triple-double record for the Mavs in his second and year. He's only been there two years. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> a year and a half. Yeah. And, and that's that's crazy. When I watched him, because I like like I said, I've like had a you know strong hate for the Mavericks for a very very long time. But my my wife, she just passively watches you know basketball here and there. But you know she she does enjoy watching the Mavericks play. And I had watched one basketball game his rookie season because they had passed up on Trey Young. The bus was around Trey Young, you know, coming out of college because he had this three ball like Steph Curry. Right. And, you know, the, and the leagues just transitioned to these, you know, these 30, 60 foot shots. I mean, it's crazy. Uh-huh. But um, they passed on, the Mavericks passed on Trey Young and drafted Luca out of Slovenia. And I was no, like, no, man, no. Let, me, let me. No, I was at that draft. I was at that draft. The, the uh, Hawks drafted Luca. They drafted Luca and traded him at the draft to Dallas for, for, um, for the rights to whatever, because the to I Luka. think the Hawks had the third pick. Yeah, the the Hawks, the yeah the Hawks had the third third pick of that draft. Yep. and they had they had drafted Luca, but Luca right. couldn't even come come over here yet. He was still over there in his country. Right, right. He had to finish getting clearance or buy out or whatever. It was the same thing that happened with Ricky Rubio uh, when he was still playing. Yeah, yeah I remember that. I remember. Yeah, that. but yeah, he uh, he got drafted by the Hawks, and I was praying that the Mavericks would take him and pair him up with Dirk. And and sure enough, when they announced it, because I still got it on my phone. I think I got like the the first ten picks on my phone recording it. And um, yeah, man, yeah, it was it was wild. I was like, oh shit! And the Mavs got him. I was like, perfect, perfect pick, perfect pick. Man, that, when I when I saw, because I really didn't know who he was. I had um, to, had to go back and you know kind of look, you know, some of his highlights. Man, he was like balling with, with that team. He had already won championships over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think he, he'd been playing since he was, like, 14 years old. Yep. He had been just like Ricky Rubio. Rubio was on the national team at 14. So you imagine, by the time you get to the league, he's, what, 21? I think he might be 21 now. He's yeah. 21 now. Yeah. He was, he, like, 19, 20 when he got in there. Yeah, he's got damn near 10 years of pro ball experience from a kid. And you can, and you can tell. And he plays with such a, a cool ease. Like, he doesn't get worked up. And it's just – I think he sees – he sees the bigger picture on the court. Like, it looks like he's, he's like, just, like, playing with these dudes, man. And, yeah, it, it, he's fun to watch. He's definitely fun to watch. Yeah, he's, he's, he's must-see TV, but can – you know, we're getting off topic a little bit, but can, can they win with that? Can or, – or is the, the Mavericks – are they going to be winners with these two, Porzingis and Luka Doncic? Can they win no. with that, those two? They need one more. And um, I was reading today – that they could try to get like um, uh, Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks somehow because they were talking about like a trade for uh, – because they're talking about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're going to have to break them up. And they yeah, they're going to break them up for sure. Yeah, they're talking about New York being a trade partner. And then also um, also uh, Dallas, you know, kind of swinging for the fences and getting that last piece and bringing in, um, bringing in uh, either R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson. So Why don't they get if, Mitchell Robinson? They just got Carly Stein. Carly Stein, eh, I'm not sold on it, man. Mitchell Robinson is a way better player with, with a higher ceiling, I think. 
But you shouldn't have got him then. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. They, 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 they should probably. And then uh, with RJ, he jacks up shots left and right. I mean, that wouldn't fit either. But he wouldn't have to. He wouldn't have to be the creator like like he is in in New York right now. He can come down to Dallas and just kind of kind of pick his poison, if you will. You know, yeah. and yeah, because Luca in in the in the unicorn, they'll cover it up until he can really really get right. And then you already got um, Rick Carlisle down there, solid defensive plan. You know, so they they're gonna look right. I, I think they're one one two pieces away. They definitely need to flesh out the bench a little bit more, but uh, they're trending in the right direction. I think. I do not like Rick Carlisle. Why? I don't like how he did Rondo. How he did Rondo? Rondo play. I don't like how he did Rondo. Man, Rondo did himself that way. <laughs> <laughs> you show up up there, you know, barking and, and, and howling and all that stuff. Basically, you know what? If you come in there with an ego, Carlisle ain't having it. Ask your boy Lamar Odom. We talked about that, man. I didn't like how they did Lamar Odom either. Like, I, it's just so I just don't like that franchise, man. And why? And I I told you why. I told you why I don't like that franchise, man. I mean, I just I don't like how they did Avery Johnson when he was coaching them. And I just I mean that fran. I mean, I like. Let me tell you this because you asked me the question about you know I, I live in Texas and yep. why you're not a Mavericks fan. Yeah. And these are the are reasons you a why. Spurs or a Rockets fan or something. Somebody. I cannot stand the Spurs. I hate the Rockets. <laughs> See, you're afraid of success. That's what it is, man. Well, no, because you're a Lakers fan. You're afraid yeah, of hard man. working success. <laughs> that's, that's not the case, man. It's not. I mean, like, I've, I, I guess it's because I, I started off with Kobe and I just kind of like the rest of it. I just kind of like adopted the Lakers Laker culture. I mean, okay. I like the Lakers. I, I just, you know, I, it started with Kobe. And, you know, you can't, you know, be a Kobe fan and not be a Laker fan. And it just, they just together. That's right. That's right. You got to have, can't have one without the other. I get it. Yeah. So I'm I'm about to, you know, wrap up. I did, um, I missed the total uh, part that I wanted to ask you about uh, in the beginning. Well, go ahead. So I'll, make a, it quick. I, I'll try to answer okay. it. Okay. So I want to get the, um, you know, about your, um, your podcast about, okay. I want you to talk a little bit about how that got started. I also want to uh, get the proper name because I think I mispronounced it when I first uh, introduced you. <laughs> That's all right, man. So, yeah, man. So, uh, Culture Marauders, right? And uh, we are officially powered by Poddex. Uh, that was just this week, man. I got my first sponsorship deal. So Wow. That's, congratulations. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, yeah, Poddex, man. So, um, Poddex, these are um, uh, cards for podcasters, right? So, um you know, I'm gonna go ahead and give give the plug for it. But cars for podcasters, um, you know, to give you ideas for your show. They got the episode decks. They got the interview decks. Would you rather? You know, all kinds of cool stuff for for podcasters like yourself and and and, and me. You know, to kind of help you along and give you some ideas when you know you're running a little bit dry on those ideas. Man, it's like 50 different things you can think of in each deck. So pod decks, it's a it's a good run. And if you sign up for it, um, use uh my uh, my special code VIP code Marauders One, um, that'll get you ten percent off any order uh, off your pod deck. So uh, check that out. But um, yeah, so I've been doing this since uh, September, man, and um, coming up, uh, man, seven months running. So it's uh, it's it's been something I've been wanting to do, man. Uh, you know, like we're sitting here chopping it up, just talking crap about you know sports and everything else. You know, everybody does this off the mic. So, you know, my military experience, I've traveled, I've seen things, experienced things, you know, got friends all over, friends are still serving. You know, we chop it up, you know, a couple times a week. And I was like, you know, why not get on the mic and do this and, you know, 
put put our conversations out there on the mic and have people call in and, and get theirs, you know, get their take on it. So that's where the culture marauders came out, uh, came about was, um, you know, I, I like culture. I like anything culturally relevant subcultures. And, you know, just I don't tie myself to one genre or one lane. I like touching everything. So, you know, we, we've talked uh, UK hip hop. I've talked comic books. I've talked uh, beer, um, uh, art, uh, you know, uh, police brutality. I mean, everything, man. We're all over the place. I've interviewed chefs who've uh, who won, won against Bobby Flay. Um, you know, just just everything, man. Anything I can get my hands on because everybody has a story. And that's where the culture martyrs come in. We brought on all culture and deliver the goods to the masses, which are in turn the listeners. So um, it's fun. I, I like doing it, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. I get to meet different people uh, like yourself. And, um, you know, it's just it's, it's a good time. No, I, I like I said, I definitely appreciate you taking out the time. You know, I know that, you know, you're a very busy man and things like that. And I just really think that that group that we have on Facebook, you know, really is going to help out a lot of first timers like myself, oh, you know, yeah. trying to um, understand how this thing is, is going. Because I'm, like I said, fairly new to doing this and I'm trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what I want to talk about, things like that. So I want to, you know, probably going to be picking your brain. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I get kind of annoying sometimes because I, I, I like to ask questions. Oh, man, it's cool, man. Like I, <laughs> like I told you on the message, man, we're here to help each other. And, you know, it just so happened to be, I think I was the first one to respond to, you know, your, your question. And, um, yeah, man, just my, my, my biggest takeaway, have fun with it. When it stops being fun, it feels like work. So when you're not, you know, you got to have fun with it. Keep just kind of pushing the boundaries, you know, getting out of your comfort, comfort zone a little bit because there's stuff I, I don't know about. But you know what? Somebody knows about it. And all you do is just ask a question or, you know, just reach out. And, and that's where the learning comes about, man. We all still learning. You know, we all don't know it all. So you just get out there and just just try to do the best you can and, and keep learning. Man, I appreciate that. I want to end the show on that note. Okay. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time, like I said before. Um, how can we reach out to you, man? Like, tell the people how can we uh, get in contact with you, man, and, you know, get part of your show. <laughs> yeah, man. So we're, we're out there. So Culture Marauders, uh, you can catch us on Instagram at the underscore culture underscore marauders. On Twitter at the culture mara one. That's the culture mara one. And then on Facebook at the Culture Marauders, man. And if you got anything you want to maraud on, or like I said, we call it marauding, but explore or talk about, um, hit us up on Gmail at theculturemarauders at gmail.com. So other than that, I'm working on getting a, a, a different uh, phone line. I'm going to start trying to take some live calls over the shows and um, really, really get weird with it and have some fun. And, um, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Man, I definitely appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to us. And we'll be back on the next episode of Out of Bounds. Thank you. All right. Peace. Peace. If you love the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time. Hi, this is Kirk Cameron, and I am honored to be partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help moms choose life. Actor Kirk Cameron supports Preborn, a ministry that saves babies' lives through ultrasounds. My four oldest children were adopted 
That is because of caring and compassionate people who help those young mothers choose life. My wife is an adopted child and her birth mother chose life for her. If it weren't for those caring individuals that help those young moms value the sacredness of life, I wouldn't have my wife, I wouldn't have my four adopted children, and the two natural born children that we have wouldn't exist either. My whole family is here because of people that are involved with ministries like Preborn. For $140, you can help rescue five babies' lives through ultrasound. Just go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life.